and verse 12. We opened up this series called the Secret Series, and I was tempted to go ahead and speak next Wednesday because I had another sermon. I found another secret, but I'll, I'll stop. <laughs> uh, the ministers have been looking at me like, come on, give us a break, man. We used to preach on Wednesdays too, you know, taking up all the Wednesdays. <laughs> uh, but I'll, I'll insert it one of these days, the other secret sermon that I found. But we began the series four weeks ago on, math, uh, excuse me, on Psalms 25, verse 14. But today I'm going to culminate it with the same verse, but we're going to exposit verses 12, 13, and then we're going to end with verse 14. I'm going to read out of the King James. Do you have it? It says there in Psalms 25, beginning in verse 12. What man is he that what? That's the key word we're going to be dealing with here today. Fear of the Lord. Him shall he what? Teach or instruct in the way that he shall what? Choose. His soul shall dwell at what? Ease. That's King James. Some of your translations say prosperous, right? Okay, that's not bad either. Okay. And his seed or his children shall inherit the earth. Then here's the verse that we opened with four weeks ago. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. And he will show them his covenant. To them will he show his covenant. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I forgot I already prayed. <laughs> Two prayers better than one anyways, right? Yeah. Praise the Lord. The title of my sermon for tonight is Fruitful Fear. We're going to be dealing with the word fear or reverence. We've already said that it's honor, that it's reverence, that it's respect. But it's fruitful fear. Okay, now, verse 12 says the fear of God or the fear of the Lord. And that term is used throughout Scripture. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We encounter it numerous times within God's Word, within the Bible. The fear of the Lord. Okay, and what the psalmist is referring to here in Psalms 25 is a fruitful fear. Not one that, ah, no, it's a fruitful fear. One that good results come out of it. Good things happen when we fear and reverence God. It's a fruitful fear. Are you with me? As a matter of fact, what we're going to look at here tonight, and we're going to examine, are the fruits or the results that come out of a life that fears God. So if you fear God, you're going to have some heavy fruit. Uh, some good results, tangible, concrete results, are going to come out of your life. Now, when dealing with fear, just by itself, here in Psalms 25, 12, its meaning can be some type of a, it can have like a haunting effect. Matter of fact, that's one of the translations in the Greek, haunting. Okay, a fear. It's a haunting kind of a fear. All right, it has a haunting effect. And whenever any one of us righteously fears something, then we have a continual and a constant haunting of the thing. We get haunted by that. Huh? When you fear something. In other words, here's what the psalmist is trying to say. Because there's a haunting, it affects everything. When you're haunted by something, it follows you. Ooh. Huh? So it affects everything in your life. Now, uh, years ago, and I just want to bring this out, and I pray that they'll understand, but uh, uh, when Dominic's family first got saved, he had a brother named Junior. And I remember being at their house in Newark, and Dominic and Lynn had taken us over there. Junior was cooking. Junior was, he was cooking. And he was, I think he was in washing dishes. 
Uh, and Junior had a lot of tattoos. Junior was a pretty rugged motor scooter. Uh, uh, and, and, and we were there, and then, you know, he had just gotten saved maybe five, six months before. Matter of fact, I think he was playing the congas in the band. Uh, him and his son, they were uh, in the band that Dominic had created, the victory band. And, you, you know, Junior had been around, but he knew a lot of people knew him. And, uh, I remember him <laughs> telling us one time we were there. I don't know how we got into the subject, but we started talking about The Exorcist, the movie The Exorcist. And he says, oh, Pastor Steve, he says, when that movie first came out, he says, man, you know, all of us, all the guys, all the fellas, we wanted to go see it. He says, I'm going to tell you the truth, Pastor Steve, because I'm not afraid to tell the truth. I'm saved now. All five months worth. He says, that night, and he says, and I already had tattoos. He says, that night, when I got home after seeing the exorcist, he says, I went up and I said, Mom, can I sleep with you tonight? Uh, Junior said that, Dominic. <laughs> uh, he wanted to sleep. Mom, it's something that follows you. It haunts you. Uh, kids. But this is a fruitful fear we're talking about. All right? But it, you, I hope you get the picture. It's something that stays. It won't leave you alone. Uh, that's why you're talking about the fear of the Lord. When you have the fear of the Lord, the Lord and the things of God won't leave you alone. They haunt you. They bug you. When you're haunted by something, it can throw a damper and a shadow on even your sunniest and brightest of days, your brightest moments. Uh, you can have a bright moment, but all of a sudden you're haunted by it all, and it casts a shadow over that bright moment. It can cast a chill even to your nicest thoughts. You're having some nice thoughts, and all of a sudden, ooh, that haunting comes back because it follows you. It haunts you. Uh, again, it affects everything. What does it affect? Everything. Thus, to fear the Lord... It's to be God-haunted. Or better yet, totally God-possessed. That's what the fear of the Lord is. You're God-haunted. You're God-possessed. You can't shake him. A ton of a sudden, you, you know, you ever try to backslide? Just tr don't try it. Don't try it. Don't try it. Uh, but the devil will come in and try to mess with you. But all of a sudden, here comes God. Oh, uh, what have I told you before? I mean... I used to walk down the street with a bottle of Rainy Ale. Stephen already said we had drug addicts, ex-drug addicts in this place. Well, I was one of them. I walked down the street with a bottle of Rainy Ale, daring for the cops to pull me over. You're going to send me to jail, Horn, for, for drinking beer? Here's to you. <laughs> or beers to you. But now that I'm safe, I've told you this before. I hope you sent my ticket in, honey. I told him about the ticket the other day when you were here anyways. I gave the ticket to my wife and said, here, here, here. Uh, take my money that I have and pay the ticket because I don't want to go to jail. <laughs> I don't want the, the cops haunting me. I mean, now every, every door, every time they knock on the door, you know, who is it? Sheriff's department. Uh, now, my heart will beat fast. I get a ticket. Oh, no, no. Because the things of, that's the way God is. The fear of the Lord. It haunts you. Uh, see, we're God possessed. Uh, we're God haunted. Where he affects everything. Because he's with us. He affects everything. Everything in our life. Uh, see, the thoughts of God cannot leave you. But as I said earlier, this fear is a fruitful fear, okay? 
That's what it is. A fear with great results. You want to fear the Lord. You want to let him haunt you because it has great results. Fruitful results. Now, perhaps an even better illustration of what Psalm, the psalmist is trying to say here in Psalms 25, 12 in describing the fear of the Lord is, have you ever heard some kind of a sound or, or, or music or a song uh, that just, you know, you can't get out of your system? Uh, you want to beat it? It won't. It won't. Because it's haunting. It sticks with you. Can't touch us. Can't touch us. Can't touch us. Huh? To this day, and you know, God, God helps me and God strengthens me. To this day, some of you are not, you're, probably none of you here, maybe somebody, but I don't think so. The Eric Burden and the Animals made a song called Hey Jip. No, I don't think, I don't know if anybody would know it. If you just give me some hello, girl. If you just give me, it stuck with me. Then there's another song from Rolling Stones made. None of you would know it. I'm, I'm just maybe proud. I don't think so again. Uh, it was called. Uh, dun, 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 dun. See, the Rolling Stones made a lot of songs. They didn't make that one. I mean, they made that one, but hardly anybody heard that one. But I heard it a long time ago. It's all right. Dun, dun, dun. It's all right. Dun, 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 dun. I mean, I'd be driving down Highway Five. Dun, 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 dun. dun. It's all right, don't, 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 it's all right. They made a lot of classic songs, sort of, you know, secular. But that one, dun, 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 dun. it's all right, dun, dun, it's all right. I couldn't, man, uh, I'm a Christian. Get out of there. Uh, the psalmist, let's get back to the Christian stuff here now. The psalmist is describing something that you just can't escape from. It haunts you. The fear of the Lord. Uh, it invades your entire life. It invades your entire day. I can't live a day without you. That's what it does. Uh, we hear it at work. We hear it at lunch. We hear it at work. We hear it at home. We hear it in our bed. We, you know, we hear it on our dreams. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, well, my friend, that's what the psalmist is telling us. That a person that fears God is continually and constantly, in a good way, haunted by God's presence. Uh, that's what happens. You're haunted by a beautiful presence of God. A fruitful fear with fruitful results. Everything that a person does, he or she, is conscious of God. Uh, they also always have God in mind. What would Jesus do? That's why I like that thing. What would Jesus do? They're always God conscious all the time. Uh, I can't beat him. Join him. What would you, what would you want me to do, Jesus? What do you want me to do, Lord? Uh, to, to the person who doesn't fear God, on the other side of the coin, the individual that doesn't fear God, that individual does not have a heavenly haunting. He could care less. Huh? Doesn't bother him. I'll walk down the street with a bottle of rain ale. It's all right. Uh, because you don't have that heavenly haunting bugging you. Uh, I mean, really, you ha had Lydia Taylor here two weeks ago. That was her prayer for me. God, you've seen Steve in the name of Jesus. Get him. In other words, seek him. Go get him. Uh, Billy Sunday, I think, had a sermon called the, the Hound Dog of Heaven. 
Chasing us down. Mowing us down. Wherever we went. Uh, but the other individual doesn't have God. He doesn't have that heavenly haunting. They do what they feel is best. For them mostly. Not for other people. They're thinking about themselves. Me, myself, and I. My name is Jimmy and what? Gimme, gimme, gimme. Everything's with a rake. See, everything to this individual has a secular mindset. Everything has a humanistic ring to it. These people are not God-possessed. They're not God-possessed because they don't fear the Lord. But to the individual who can do as 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. With that person, the sense of God is never absent but always present. That's why 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. Because Paul knew who he was writing to. God haunted individuals. God possessed individuals. We can do that. We can have fellowship with God 24-7. That's to those that fear the Lord. See, in God, he has, he lives and moves and has his being. That's what Paul says as well. In God, he lives and moves and has his every being, his every step. This man is one who will display, display fruitful results and fruitful fear. Now, what are some of those fruits? What are some of those results that this individual, this man that fears God will produce? Well, I, wanna, I want us to look at verse 12 of Psalms 25. I want to give you a few things that this God-fearing, God-possessed man, God-haunted man will produce. Look at verse 12. These are some of the results. Okay. The man who that fears the Lord, him shall he what? Teach in the way that he shall choose. The God-fearing man will be guided by God in his or her choices. The one that fears God will be guided by the Lord, will be taught by the Lord. When that person comes to the fork in his road, God will not speak with a forked tongue. Took me a long time to think of that one. Come on. When that guy comes with a fork in the road, God will not speak with a fork in the tongue. God will speak loud and clear. Don't go that way. And if you're right away, you're set. Because you fear God. Ah, you don't play the hokey pokey, hallelujah. One foot in, one foot out. No, 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 no. It's all feet out. Ah, because he's with you in your, in your choices. See, rather God will speak frankly, he'll speak openly, and he'll speak loudly. Somebody once said this. God speak in an audible voice? No, he speaks louder than that, the guy said. When you're with a kid, it's loud. God's voice is magnified when you fear him. It is. Oh, Steve. Oh, speak louder than I'm listening to you. Well, they should be listening to you, Lord. Oh, see, this man's mind and his discernment will be heavily enlightened and illuminated. He will know which way that he should go. Even when the choices are many, he'll know. That's why when I'm dealing with people, especially in leadership, when I, when I hear somebody with, and a leader did something a little bit off the wall, I said, man, I don't know. Sometimes I have to go deal with people and I said, brother, this is, sister, this is an easy call. It was an easy call. You should have done that. It was simple. One and one makes two. Uh, it was simple. You should, weren't you in fellowship? I don't think God's going to ask you to rebel like that. Uh, See, this man's moral mind and his moral judgment shall be instructed and taught by the best. By the teacher of teachers. Who am I talking about? 
Jesus Christ, the man that fears God. Uh, Christ will be his instructor. When, we, when the fear of the Lord is within you, your mind turns into both binoculars and microscope. That's what it does. When the fear of the Lord is with you, you boom, you can just see, ooh, not that way. And then you can see up close and personal. That's what happens. All of a sudden, it just, that, that's what the Bible's talking about here. Don't you want to have that? We should all have that. Uh, your eyes are both microscopes and binoculars. You're able to see and you're able to perceive like no secular man can. The natural man, the carnal man can't think like that. Things get so magnified that it's almost like you're cheating in life. It's like that. Because you're always putting yourself in blessings way. Man, how can we? I can't help it. I can't help it. I just did what God told me to do. And I didn't ask for this. I just was walking. I'm talking, doing what he asked me to do. And bingo, there was. Uh, there she was. Walking down the street. Do what did he? Hallelujah. Uh, I couldn't help it. I mean, God gave me the bath. This is history. <laughs> ah, the other one's doing her history right now too. Hallelujah. Ay, ay, ay. That's what happens. See, my friend, your decisions and your choices are by and large always right on. Years ago, I was listening to an interview by George Brett. He was great, one of the greatest hitters of all time. Uh, left-handed hitter. Kansas City. Started his career with the Royals. Ended with the Royals. That's the way it should be, but that's another... I don't want to deal with that. Uh, but I'll never forget the interview. And it fit right along with the sermon. He was saying, they told him, George, you're the only man that has a chance as of late to hit 400. And right now you're doing it up. I can't remember what he said. He says, you know what? He was telling the interviewer, he says, he says, I don't know what to tell you, but when you're right on, he says, baseballs look like watermelons. Because when you're hitting, when you're in it, when you're in the groove, when you're, when you're in a groove, uh, I mean, you can go 15 for 16 in a baseball tournament when you're in a groove. Uh, I mean, you're, everything, baseballs look like watermelon. Ah. Ah. Do it blindfolded <laughs> uh, or something like that. But that's what happens when a man fears the Lord. Many things in life become pretty much no-brainers. No-brainers. You should already know what you're supposed to do because you're fearing the Lord. Choices are very easy to you. Why and how? Because you have Jesus Christ, the teacher of teachers. Uh, that's what Psalms 25, 12 is talking about. When it comes to blessings, the deck is stacked. Because of fruitful fear. The deck's stacked for you. Don't you want this kind of a life? Then let's fear the Lord. But the deck is stacked. You're going to win. What have I said before? I read the end of the Bible. We win. Hmm. Only the battles, hallelujah. Uh, the war's over, but the battle, ay, 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 still going on. See, tact and discretion, insight, foresight, wisdom, shrewdness are all yours. Verse 12 says, he shall teach. God will be your Mayogi. Is that his name? What's his name again? Mayagi. Well, Mayagi. Um, uh, uh, Maharisha Yogi, I'm just kidding. Uh, he's, he's your Mayagi. He's your master. Come on, grasshopper. Grow up. Uh, uh, but that's what he is. 
Listen, he'll come down to your level like a good coach. He'll break things down to us as to where we can clearly and more easily understand them. You ever had a good athletic coach? He'll come down and he'll tell you. He'll explain things to you. He'll make it clear. Oh, no wonder. I see now. I understand. That's what God will do when you fear him. He'll come down. Oh, this guy fears me. He loves me. I want to talk to this guy. I want to fellowship with him. This is a good player right here. There's not wasted moments here. I'm not throwing my pearls to swine right here. Um, he'll break it down to your level. He'll teach you in the way that you should go. Hallelujah. I'll save my wife and I less counseling. Hallelujah. All right, verse 13. Look at verse 13. Let's keep expositing here. Do you have it? He, his soul shall dwell at ease. Okay, that's where I want to stop right there. His soul shall dwell at ease. Restfulness and worry will not be the order of your day. Uh, you can't. You, excuse, you can keep things in cruise control. You ever, you ever been around me and I say, oh, I just keep it in cruise control. You don't have to worry. Oh, clean life. It's great. And leave, they're driving to us. He'll take care of business. The apostle Paul says, I have learned in whatsoever state I am in, there would to be content. You'll be at ease. Oh, man, doesn't he understand what's happening? Yes, he does. But he has a teacher that's cut it up for him, that's taught him things. Keep it in cruise control. Uh, even if he dies, for me to live as Christ to die is, I, I can't lose. Huh? Plus, we've been taught about death. You don't got to be afraid of death. Death is your what? It's your servant. It serves you. See, because the, because the companionship and the fellowship of Christ is continual uh, in your life. Anywhere this person goes or anything he does, He'll find and he'll encounter peace, okay, and the riches of God's promises. That's what'll happen. Understand what I just said there. Because here in continual fellowship and companionship with Christ, anything you do is going to be blessed. Oh, everywhere you go, you'll have the peace that surpasses all understanding. I can't understand this guy. How doesn't he understand what just happened? Yeah, but you know, I'm keeping it in a cruise control. When I first got saved, I was in the men's home, I used to say this, I used to utter these words. I used to say, I used to say, you can throw me in the hole in Folsom prison, but just give me a Bible. And I'm going to be all right. And I meant it. I meant it. I wasn't just talking out of the side of my neck like I used to before. I said, man, I found the answer. Uh, I mean, Chuck goes into the prison, he knows. Those guys got peace. Like a river. Ah, uh, because you got that thing. That surpassed all understanding. Ah. Uh, that's what happens when you fear the Lord. See, anywhere and any time, his soul shall dwell at ease. Every trial is turned into a learning experience, not an unnerving experience. Understand what I said? Every trial turns into a learning experience, not an unnerving experience. You don't got to lose your cool. Uh, you don't got to blow your top. No way. See, to the God-fearing, God-haunted man, he can find treasure even in a trial. See, Christianity, genuine Christianity, and I said it before, is perspective. How you see things. How you, and remember, I already told you, the guy, the guy that fears God, everything should be magnified. should be easier now. It's almost like if you're cheating in life. Somebody once wrote, two men looking out through the bars, 
One sees mud, the other stars. I quoted that many, many years ago when he had just gotten saved. I thought about it today when I was putting the sermon together. Two men looking through bars, one sees mud, the other stars. Christianity's perspective. The secular guy's like, oh, look at the mud, it's raining, oh, we got terrible, you know? Just rain, yeah. But the other guy's looking up, perspective. Oh, I see stars. I see promise. I see hope. Huh? See, the Bible says in Romans 5, 3, but we glory in tribulation, knowing tribulation worketh patience, and pa patience worketh experience, and on and on. We glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation worketh experience. In other words, tribulation works for you. You're the boss. Not the other way around. Oh my God, you get the trial again. What do you want me to do, trial? How would that have me to act? It works for you. Kiss my feet. That's what the Bible says even death has to do with coming kiss your feet. Ah, it works for you. You're the boss. Another trial? <laughs> All right, come on. Get, get on. Another one? Get on. Should have got me a van, you know? We're the boss. We can't lose. That's why his soul shall dwell at ease. Then verse 13b says, his seed shall inherit the earth. This is referring to and talking about, listen to this, a legacy. A legacy. My wife spoke a sermon years ago on, on, on a legacy. Leaving a legacy. What are you going to leave when you go? That's what it's talking about here. His seed shall inherit the earth. The God-possessed person transmits a legacy of blessings to his children, to her children. Our children fare better because we fear the Lord. They fare better. They, they, they come out better because we fear the Lord. Oh, they have it a whole lot better than us. Because somebody was good, others can and do benefit greatly. The God-possessed man leaves a legacy of spirituality. He or she leaves an atmosphere, a foundation for success that his children can build on. They also leave an atmosphere that makes it hard and very difficult for their offspring to sin in. I mean, when Stephanie grows up, it's hard for her to sin. Really, really. When you come here, it's hard for you to sin here. Uh, you'll get temptation, but it's hard. Uh, and that's what we're, we're leaving a legacy and an atmosphere where it makes it hard to sin. Uh, look at 1 Kings eleven twelve. First 1 Kings eleven twelve. 12. But keep a marker there to Psalms 25 because we're going to close with that. 1 Kings eleven twelve says... Look at verse 11. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done, is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee, or take it from you, and will give it to your servant. Notwithstanding in thy days, I will not do it for David your father's sake. Now look at 2 Samuel 9, 7. Turn, it's behind there. 2 Samuel, turn a few pages back. Chapter 9, verse 7. And David said unto him, 
Then he was my former chief, one of my favorite characters. Fear not, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. And will restore. See, you leave a legacy for your children when you fear the Lord. Uh, Jonathan, his son, and, man, one of my most, I think this is one of the most beautiful stories in the whole Bible. Uh, his son was, 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 was a, a lame from both feet. Uh, and once, once uh, um, Saul, his grandfather, died, he, he took off. He thought, oh no, King David's a terrible king. Uh, and he went to, where at? Lodabar. And what did he do? Laying low in Lodabar. Hiding out. It's like going to Dixon. Huh? Hiding in Dixon. Huh? <laughs> he thought he'd gotten away. But then the king wanted to see him. He said, Mephobosheth, come forth. Huh? And what did God say? Hey, because of your father. The legacy he left, the inheritance, their seed shall inherit the earth, the blessings and the fullness thereof. It's worth fearing God. It's worth serving the Lord. Amen? Hallelujah. Because of a parent's legacy, his children reap a number of benefits. The God-fearing man leaves a great spiritual legacy for his children, and the Bible says, and for his children's children. In Psalms 103. Verse 17. Then verse 14. As we close. This is a scripture that we began our series with. The secret of the Lord. Of Psalms 25, 14. The secret of the Lord. Is to those who fear him. To them he reveals. His covenant. The God possessed. Are taken into intimate fellowship. They become. Familiar friends with God. Familiar friends. Oh here comes Steve. Good to see him again. Uh, when somebody comes around and you don't know them, they're like, you know, you got your guard up. But when it's a familiar friend, oh, there he is again. Hey, open the refrigerator, Jack. It's all right. Let, let him go to the refrigerator. Hey, look at the poor thing. He hasn't eaten in a long time. He used to be bigger. I want, I want, I want my son plump. Ah, uh, he's my familiar friend. Ah. Uh, see, whenever somebody opens up themselves to you or to us, it's always a sign of intimate friendship, uh, of deep friendship. Remember when we first got our house? Uh, we were all, I mean, we wanted, a, we wanted a, a church first, then a home, and then our house. But God did it the opposite. And we were like, oh man, gosh. Then we heard Pastor Sonny and Sister Julie, that's what happened to them. They got their house first, then they got a home, then they got the church. That's what happened with us. And when we first got our house, well, of course, it became almost everything. We used to have our offices there. We used to have our meetings there. Uh, the only thing we, we didn't have was services because it was, it was a, little bit, a little bit too small. <laughs> little, just barely. Uh, some people came over. What do we, hey, let's go look, check it out loud. We took you guys upstairs. And you don't just take anybody upstairs. And almost all of you have been upstairs. Especially the home, but they do it because they have to work. Hallelujah. Uh, uh, <clears throat> but that's intimate. That's friends. You don't just take anybody, oh yeah, oh come on, I don't know, you're going upstairs. No way. Uh, it's a sign of intimacy, of friendship. When a man takes you from his suburbs to the center of his life, to his downtown area, then you know that you've acquired a friend. 
but he takes you from his suburbs, from the outside to the inside of his life. Jesus says, no longer do I call you servants, but friends. Why? Because all that I have heard from the Father, I tell you. I make known to you. Uh, Jesus ain't going to tell just anybody everything. But he says, you're not my servant no longer, you're my friend. And I'm going to make known to you the secrets of the Father. That nobody else knows. Uh, I, when I first came to Christianity, I said, man, I didn't know about this. I tried everything else in life. Wow, this is going on. This is bad. Because God finally revealed his secret to me. I finally opened up. And God was my last, how could you say, resort. And he still took me. Now he takes me to resorts. <laughs> you know? But he was. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. To God, it was probably like, oh, Steve, that's the first time he's ever come to me. I'm his first choice. No. I'm his second choice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm his 449th. Mm -hmm. That's true. Uh, but he still takes us in. And he's a college servant. He calls us friends. Church, may we learn to discern. Learn to consult God in all that we do. To be God-possessed. God-fearing. Let's include God in every decision. Uh, you, when you're in the home, you learn that. When you're, you should learn that as a Christian. What would Jesus do? I mean, you ever hang out with the guys in the home? They pray for traveling mercy. They pray for the ant walking across the street. Now, once they leave the home, sometimes, what ant? That ant can't move a rubber tree plant. Uh, Frank Sinatra, you? Uh, because when they lose intimacy, that happens. When you lose intimacy, you, you're, you're no longer God-fearing. Uh, that's what happens. But, but when they're in the home, they, they learn good. They learn to discern. Uh, was, I, mean, I know I was in the home two and a half years. I know what, I know what I'm talking about. Uh, a lot of stuff... <clears throat> Yes, I, because my life, because I was prayed up, a lot of things, decisions I didn't, have to, I didn't have to make on my own. I already knew which way I should go. I knew what I had to do. Huh? Should you call your old girlfriend? Oh, wow. I need counseling. Uh, duh. Ay, ay, ay. Fruitful fear. Ah, man. Jesus said, blessed is that disciple that is what? Not offended in me. Matthew eleven six. one of my favorite scriptures. Blessed, heavily elated is that disciple that's not offended in me. In other words, what Jesus is saying, let me call the shots in your life. Include me in all your decisions. Include me in all your choices. Don't get out of line. Ah. Ask, seek, I'll be there. Uh, don't have me always talking to you. What about me? What about, hey, remember me? Hug. He should be the first. Fruitful fear. Mm. Those that fear the Lord, God will be a part of everything. You'll be hunted. 
Hunted by God. It's a good hunting though. Uh, I want every head bowed and every eye closed. It's a good hunted where God affects everything. Where God affects everything. That's what fruitful fear is. Fruitful fear is where God affects your entirety. You're all in all. I can't live a day without you, Lord. Can't live a moment without you, Jesus. In you I move and I live and I have my being. Oh, the Apostle Paul was so right on. What would Jesus do? Lord, what would you have me to do? La, 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 son. You know what, man? I, the presence of God is in this place. I'm just going to open up the altar. I'm just going to open up the altar. If you need to come, if you need to come, the altar's open. The altar's open. Hallelujah. Lord, what would you have me to do? Jesus, I can't live a day more.